Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know we harp on it a lot. You need a good pair of binos. Yeah, I never hunted with binos until I was almost into my 20s. I never did it when I was a teenager or anything like that. Or when I was a kid, we never had binos. And when I bought my first pair of Vortex binos, the first binos I ever purchased back in like 2015, it immediately made a huge difference for me, especially in the turkey woods. So give yourself the advantage of a good pair of binos this spring, whether you're looking for more of like an entry-level bino like the Vortex Diamondbacks or something really, really nice like the Razors. Vortex is going to have something for you. And hey, don't pay full price for it. Use our discount code at eurooptic.com. Use the code SGN10 to get a discount on any Vortex optics that you want to order. Again, that's eurooptic.com, code SGN10 to go get a discount on any Vortex product you order. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Now I'm a southern child, southern child, down in Macon, Georgia. Everybody knows where I was born. You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Listener Success Story, Turkey Edition. Got a uh, really good one for you this week. I'm actually really excited about this listener success story uh, coming out of southeastern Missouri uh, with Mr. Devin Wingo. Who, Devin, uh, get you on the phone right now. I know you sent us an email earlier about your success, and I'm really excited about this because this is your very first turkey. Uh, so I think this is going to be a really interesting story that we're going to break down. But, Devin, kind of kick us off. The first thing I want to ask you, how long have you been a listener of the podcast? Uh, I've been listening since about February. So, this year so super green super green listener right here which is awesome man that's so cool um i've got to ask first off how did you find out about the show and what kind of caused you to start listening to the show especially since you only been listening for a couple months honestly i was looking for more um turkey hunting podcasts and just searched you up on spotify you guys were the first ones to pop up started listening and really liked what i heard um you know i love the way you guys banter with each other and the way you talk to your guests. You know, have you always been a podcast listener? It sounds like if you search us on Spotify. And then also, you know, have you been listening to a lot of other hunting shows? Or do you like to listen to more comedy? Like, what's your background when it comes to listening to shows and podcasts? Uh, I got hooked on Meat Eater about two or three years ago. And went through their whole list. Went to Wired to Hunt. And listened to the hunting public a little bit. And was really looking for more and you guys put uh put the bill well that's always good to hear and it's always kind of cool how listeners find out about the show so it's kind of cool again searching us and was able to pull that up but i want to ask also because again just curious uh what episode pulled up for you uh when you searched for the show and, and kind of how did that kind of get you hooked when it came to like the turkey content and everything especially as, as a newer turkey hunter um i think it was episode 154 it was probably a couple of years ago with uh, Mike Pentecost. And you guys were talking about his app that he had put out. Uh, it just, yeah, it worked, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, especially, you know, having Mike Pentecost, I, I think uh, you're talking about uh, Mr. Scott Ellis, who we had on, who's got that Turkey Tech app, which is just an oh, unbelievable yeah, guy. Sorry. Oh, no worries. No worries. Um, but yeah, he, that, that, uh, that first interview is when we really started talking about like hide the hen and that's been probably yeah. the most impactful, uh, tactic or tip and technique out of any of the guests that we've had on of any Turkey hunting podcast. Um, because it is just impact. I mean, hundreds, I mean, if not thousands, really thousands of people's lives that listen to the show, uh, just how to take that approach to be more successful. So that was one of the first episodes you started listening to. You kind of dove down the rabbit hole there over this last couple of months. Uh, let, let's kind of dive in. I want to talk about, you know, what are some of these specific episodes that has really kind of hit home for you, um, especially over the last, you know, couple of months of just listening to the show? Um, your podcast about the scorched earth, uh, hunting the burns, that really helped out a lot. Um, you know, with sitting out in the wide open and having to, like you said, hide the hen. Um, and like I said, Mike Pentecost, that 
really, really helped. Um, and then, oh, I can't remember the other one. Well, I know talking earlier, you had mentioned, uh, before we started recording, you mentioned uh, Mr. Mr. Wayne Lackey, who we had on for episode 243, uh, kind of the new and old school way of turkey hunting, kind of how he's taking that approach. But, um, you know, also one thing that I thought was really interesting, uh, just when you were talking about all these guys that you've listened to, is the background of kind of what helps them be successful. And probably a common theme with all these guys, and I think you would agree, is kind of how they approach turkey hunting with patience and understanding how to not get ahead of yourself and and really kind of let the cards fold out ahead of you and just kind of play your cards right to get that turkey to come in. And I I know that was something that you mentioned earlier to me that was impactful, where you kind of the whole patience aspect of it. But can you talk about, you know, how has that, especially that tactic of just being patient when it comes to turkey hunting, played a factor, especially after, you know, your kind of short history of turkey hunting? And maybe you can kind of dive into what is your – history and experience turkey hunting and again how maybe that patience has played a factor for you recently yeah patience has definitely paid a factor in this year um and years before you know i i had my uncle take me out one time and we got on a bird and it was out in the mark twain national forest here in southeast missouri uh big woods basically run the ridges listen for a gobble and start hiking go chase them down and i mean it works to get close but it doesn't it didn't work to seal the deal yeah anytime i'd hear a gobble i just want to run after it i'd give it 15 minutes maybe and i i you know i i had to move <laughs> i couldn't ta- I, I couldn't stand it well i want to talk a little bit more about this cuz i'm curious about kind of your upbringing when it came to turkey hunting what got you to start turkey hunting and and quickly, you know, can maybe kind of give us the the, the uh, your experience. You know, how long have you been turkey hunting? What got you to start turkey hunting? And what has been some of the challenges for you learning to turkey hunt over the last few years? Uh, what got me into turkey hunting uh, was deer hunting. Uh, probably about five years ago, my son wanted to start deer hunting. I'd never hunted a day before in my life, and me and him started to go deer hunting. And my uncle kind of chimed in and was like, hey, I'll take you guys. We started going with him. And then he asked me if I'd ever turkey hunted. So went with him. Didn't work out. And um, and the biggest struggles for me was just trying to figure out where to set up in the morning for the birds. And, you, you know, you guys had said, you know, you got to scout. Go out watch them in the morning, watch them in the evening, see where they go. And that really helped. I actually did quite a bit of scouting this year, a lot more than years before. I think I did about a week's worth of scouting before season. I went out and watched them every morning. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what were you previously doing, especially like maybe on these morning setups on like a roosted bird? And what have you changed, especially from maybe things that you learned from the show and just getting more confidence when it comes to like how to approach a bird that's still on the roost that might be gobbling um, and, and kind of like, you just kind of walk us through that, you know, kind of what's your progression been like uh, from what you were struggling doing and kind of what you've kind of changed a little bit. So originally I had been, you know, basically I'd look at the property and be like, wow, that looks like a, you know, a video I've seen on the internet. It looks like a beautiful green field. That's where I think I should go because that's where they kill turkeys is in a pretty green field. But that's not where they always wind up. They always wind up in the woods where we go. 
So I kind of just started following that and um, more so trying to get in between where the turkeys wanted to be and where they were and not trying to get like right up underneath them on the roost. Because I've, I've definitely done that a lot. I've <laughs> definitely set up underneath a tree and come daylight, look up, and I'm right underneath the damn turkey. <laughs> <laughs> oh dude i think that, that's happened to all of us i mean if anyone's been turkey hunting i think that's happened with all of us but uh i'm really curious i really want to kind of break down especially you know kind of your experience turkey hunting or really just to be honest it's the lack thereof but how you've kind of grown as a turkey hunter especially recently um you know but one thing you mentioned earlier which I, i'm really interested in, first, you, you mentioned your son became interested in deer hunting and it kind of got you into deer hunting with your uncle and everything else. Uncle started taking y'all. And then same thing with turkey hunting. What got him interested in this, the outdoors and hunting in general? Honestly, I think it was just a wild hair. Like we've always been a big, like outdoorsy camping family. And one day he came home. I think he'd been talking to some buddies. And he's just kind of like, hey, dad, let's go try deer hunting. And, you know, we, I was like, sure. I love being outdoors. I'd love to go chase some deers with you. Is, I mean, it, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would love, a, I would love a better story, but <laughs> it was pretty simple. <laughs> no, that's an awesome story. And the reason why I say that is, uh, I, I personally don't know that many people in your kind of situation where the, 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 the child or their, their kid is the one that kind of gets them into it because they're the ones that interest. That's a very fascinating story to be honest and kind of how that's kind of been molded around you all and kind of what y'all have done. I'm sure has that kind of helped y'all even bond a little bit more of actually doing that kind of hunting excursions and stuff like that and spending more times out in the woods. Um, to start off with, it wasn't that great. Me and him got mad at each other or at each other a lot. Um, as we're getting older, yes, we do get a lot better experiences with each other. Uh, we, we definitely get a lot of bonding out there. Like, I really wish you'd have been there this morning. Well, and, see that, that's so cool. One reason why, uh, a good friend of ours, uh, cuz Strickland, uh, which most people know from like Mossy Oak, uh, he talks a lot about on his podcast, Fistful of Dirt and, uh, on just any, anything else, any kind of interviews of how important it is to recruit new hunters, uh, into what we're doing to bring in more people of different kind of backgrounds and everything else to, you know, experience what we've been doing and kind of open that up. And one thing I, I'm, I'm curious, cause I'm really interested, especially with kind of how you got introduced and got into hunting in general, uh, cause it's so much different from other people I've talked to, which is the fascinating aspect of it. But it, it was also some part of it, like the food aspect of hunting. Um, or is it just a little bit more about just kind of spending more time in nature? And then if you had the opportunity to be able to, you know, take an animal, great, there's food there, but it wasn't necessarily food driven kind of what was another reasoning for kind of to pursue hunting, um, other than of course, maybe that your son really wanted to try it out. Uh, it was definitely 50, 50, uh, just being in the outdoors. Um, I've always loved just being outside. Definitely. You know, pretty avid hiker, love watching the sunrises, sunsets, haven't missed too many in my life. And, but the food part of it, oh man, that's good stuff. 
Okay, well, we're, yeah. we're we're about to go down a rabbit hole in this. Listen, I'll, okay, Newton, listen, because no, I love this aspect. Because this is the cool thing about this interview; it's so much different from other guys we've had on the show. Just other people in general we've had on the show, and that's the exciting thing about this. I'll be a hundred percent honest; I didn't know anything about this. They kind of like this kind of is your background when it came to getting into hunting. But I'm very interested. So the food aspect is another big part of it, along with kind of like what you're saying. You love the outdoors, you know, hiking and stuff like that. So it's just kind of natural for you. What? When was the first time you actually were able to try try wild game, whether it was deer, turkey, or whatever? What was the first wild game you ever had, and how was that prepared for you? Uh, the first wild game I ever had was the first backstrap I ever cooked. Wow! And, and me and my daughter were the only ones that ate it, and we ate the whole freaking thing. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else in the house wanted it. They tried it. And they kind of turn their noses up to it. That is, dude, that is amazing. I, that is so amazing. I mean, and listen, because my upbringing is different. My upbringing is different from most people. My dad didn't hunt. My mother didn't hunt or anything. So I got into hunting through my mother's brothers. So two of my uncles are the ones that kind of introduced me to hunting. Um, but still, you know, kind of had that kind of hunting family. But th- this is very, very interesting, especially as kind of like a, a later onset hunter like yourself, kind of opening up the doors to it and kind of seeing not only the food aspect, but also more time spending time in the woods and kind of enjoying that. That That is so really, I mean, that, that's so cool. It really is. I mean, it actually gets me excited uh, just to kind of even be thinking about this, let alone this is a listener success story, which we're going to get to in a little bit, everybody that's listening right now. But um, let, let me ask, as a newer hunter, kind of getting into this and kind of the food aspect and kind of learning was a lot of this, especially when it came to this, like preparations of wild game, like a deer, was that like self-taught? Did you watch videos on that? Kind of how did that happen? Or did you have somebody kind of walk you through like what happens actually after you, you kill an animal and how you prepare it? Oh yeah. We definitely watched YouTube on how to learn how to gut a deer. And <laughs> that was kind of a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, as far as preparing it, yeah, I think my first deer, the whole thing fit in my beer cooler, which wasn't very big, all the meat I got off of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting to try and figure it out on my own. And (laughs) yeah, my wife was not happy to see me, uh, trying to butcher a deer in the basement. (laughs) Oh, okay, now we now we got to talk about your wife a little bit, and again, maybe she'll listen to this episode. Uh, try, not to try to get you in trouble, but what is her thoughts when it comes to like hunting and, and kind of like this newfound passion of yours, and also your son and everything else? Oh, she she loves that we go and do it together. She loves the meat. She does not like to see any other part of it whatsoever. Um, yeah, she definitely loves when I cook with it, as long as I don't tell her exactly what it is. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, okay. That was perfect. I love that was a great segue. That was a great segue to kind of learn a little bit more about that. So again, again, still new to deer hunting, very new to turkey hunting and kind of taking this away. Who you said your uncle seems to be like a mentor for you. How has he been a mentor when it came to kind of like getting more involved in hunting and, you know, kind of what has his, uh, kind of, um, what has his, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. What has his position been for you all as an opportunity to get out there and learn a little bit more and have somebody kind of on site, kind of, you know, show you a few things and learn some stuff from. His position has definitely been like the leader role. And 
definitely brought in the whole like family brotherhood camaraderie aspect of it. Um, and he's definitely kind of, you know, nudged us along like, come on guys, let's go, let's go. Um, you know, I hadn't talked to him in a long time because he had moved off for a while, been separated for a while. And we kind of got back together and told him that my son and I were, you know, starting to get into hunting. He's like, Oh man, you know, you guys should come with us. And he kind of invited us into the whole deer camp thing, which is what me and my son love and, you know, love the camaraderie of it. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's probably some of the most fun that we've ever had is around some kind of deer camp, especially if it's with your buddies or, you know, me and Andrew don't have children or anything, uh, you know, quite yet. Um, uh, five children, there'd be a problem there, but, uh, with without having children and just spending a lot of time with family and friends, you know, at kind of deer camps, uh, whether you're traveling or you're just going down to, you know, the hunting camp, that is some of the most fun. I think most people, especially growing up, that grew up in a hunting family, you know, maybe, you know, fawns is kind of fond of, but especially with kind of you, kind of a lot of these kind of experiences being a lot more new to and kind of green to and experience that with your son, that is extremely exciting kind of here, especially for, you know, new hunter recruitment and hopefully again, maybe y'all sharing y'all's experiences with other people who maybe aren't quite hunters, but they kind of see the value, not only, you know, bringing and providing meat for your family, but also those life experiences that most people that don't spend time out in the woods never experience. Because uh, I tell people all the time, uh, you know, you, you hiking in the woods and stuff like that, you get a different experience versus sitting in the woods and actually, you know, being in an area that's game, you know, filled and, and rich where you see animals truly move in, in a natural way and you get a different perspective of, you know, what the land actually has to offer. Uh, which I think hunting really opens up that door to you uh, versus someone that's just even going out there and bird watching and everything else. So uh, that that's really awesome kind of hear you and your son are really kind of, you know, diving off the deep end <laughs> into all things that. But I, I want to talk a little bit more about this turkey. So you can first off, again, kind of jumping to conclusions, but you killed your first turkey today, uh, which is awesome. And we're going to talk about that hunt in just a little bit. Uh, but you had mentioned earlier on some of the struggles that you had kind of very green into turkey hunting after watching a bunch of videos and stuff like that of, you know, kind of being in areas that, you know, look good from video. They're like, oh, there's probably turkeys here and, you know, getting too close and just messing up on them. But let's talk a little bit more about, you know, first off, you know, from what you had heard from the show, you know, kind of maybe a recap on it. You know, what has been some of those impactful points that you've heard that these guys talk about? that you were able to take home and take away from them and kind of start applying to your now approach that kind of helped you be successful on this turkey that you killed today? So the biggest part for me was patience. That and, you know, the quiet calls. Like just because you can yelp as loud as you can doesn't mean you have to. Um, You know, just sitting back and making some nice quiet calls and, just kind of letting the turkeys be turkeys and knowing that you're in a good spot and they will be there eventually. Um, you know, and, and hiding the hen, you know, everybody says it got to hide the hen. Everybody loves to hide the hen and it works. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Scott Ellis, old Scott Ellis, uh, hide the hen, man. Been been impacting, you know, thousands of people's lives. So that, that's awesome. Kind of hear that. Let me ask, um, also, just from what you had heard from the show and everything, did that change kind of how you wanted to set up or where you wanted to set up when it came to the turkeys on the properties that you hunt, whether it's public land or private land? 
it didn't really, I guess it did. It just made me realize that I'm in a good spot for turkeys and you don't have to see, you know, 200 yards to find the turkeys. You just got to, you know, find where the turkeys want to be. And you guys kind of helped me realize that with, you know, talking about your military crests and finding those spots where the gobblers want to strut. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew where the turkeys wanted to be, but I just wanted to kill them in a certain spot, you know, like the YouTube videos. And I finally pushed into where the areas you guys were talking about, you know, you guys described them very well. And I finally got in there and, you know, saw what you guys were describing and by golly, the turkeys were there. That's so awesome. You know, one thing you mentioned, which is, uh, uh, you know, it's interesting you brought it up, but I know we talk about a whole bunch is like some of the different terminology, like military crest. And I know we've had a lot of new listeners over the last year. Or so message us about certain terminology that we use and kind of how overwhelming it is, especially if they're just either green at what we're talking about or they just the way they were brought up in, and if maybe they were brought up in a hunting household, there's certain things that we talk about on a daily basis, especially when it comes to deer hunting that a lot of people just don't know or don't understand. Did you have any issues over the last you know couple months of listening to the show, understanding different terminology that we covered? And I'm asking really as this a kind of a survey, if we need to like change stuff up or do better <laughs> explanations on certain <laughs> things we talk about. Um, I did have uh, trouble understanding like the military crest, and I did a lot of Googling <laughs> and finally kind of figured out what you guys were talking about. Like I could picture it, but I couldn't like take it from word to a map, mm-hmm. like looking at a topic, like looking at a topographic map. Okay. And once, once I did a little bit of Googling, um, it kind of made sense. Excellent. Okay. Very cool. Well, well, Devin, let's dive in into this hunt. I'm very curious, you know, kind of walk us through this day. Like, the, the, I mean, you killed him today when we're recording this episode, which is actually on a Tuesday. Uh, but walk us through kind of, how did you approach this morning? Did you roost them the night before? Did you just go in based off sign? Kind of walk us through the progression from today and kind of how did the hunt play out and how did you set up on the Turkey and, and just kind of walk us through what happened? So, like I said, I've been scouting, this area quite a bit like as soon as you pull off the road to this parking spot it's a perfect spot like it's a high spot you can listen to everybody gobble and you can see i don't know good seven eight hundred yards and kind of see what the turkeys are doing where they want to go after they're done strutting where they want to go feed and i've been hearing these two same toms across the creek and some big hardwoods that's nice and open kind of scattered with some cedars and yesterday I had went and hunted and sat up, up on top of a big hill across some big pasture lands. And these toms were still over there and they, they just wouldn't get out of those woods. They would not leave. So today I decided I was going to go find me a nice little spot across the Creek along this logging road where these turkeys had been. So I get set up in the middle of a briar patch, which was not very comfortable. (laughs) It was it was snagging on my turkey vest, snagging on my gun, everything. And get set up, and it was about 5.50. They started gobbling. And when they started gobbling, it sounded like they were probably a good 100 yards past where they had been gobbling off a roost. And uh, sitting there thinking, I was like, seriously? I finally got into their zone, and they're going to go way off onto public land and just, you know, I was 
seriously picturing them getting shot within 10 minutes of them gobbling. <laughs> but, you know, like y'all been saying, you know, be patient, stay calm. It'll be all right. And uh, so I sat still, stayed ready. And lo and behold, a hen had come up behind me. She kind of came over, checked out my decoys, and she was just kind of milling around. She did not care that I was there. Um, and I thought she had gone. So I started making some nice soft calls and it was probably about a quarter after six or so they started gobbling again and it sounded like they were coming to me a little bit. I was like, all right, all right, this is, you know, this is going to work out. And then about probably six thirty, uh, six hens fly over the Creek, which from everything I've ever heard, turkeys are not supposed to cross a Creek and they're all kind of gathered out in front of me, feeding, picking up some gravel not really making any noise and i'm sitting here just shaking shaking because i know i'm going to get busted by one of these hens because i had zero cover in front of me and uh watched them for a good 30 minutes and then all the hens go on alert and they started putting i'm like dear lord what did i do i swear i didn't move and they start looking up the hill and i hear a couple of lone clucks at the top of the hill kind of look up and i see two big old black balls just kind of moving in between the big oak trees. These gobblers are actually coming. I can't believe this is working. And the hens decide that it's time to go up there and say hey to the toms. And they're up there goofing around, clucking, purring, yelping at each other. Um, actually saw a couple of hens get bred, which was pretty cool. Um, and they were up there kind of playing grab ass for a good 30 or 45 minutes. The whole time I got my gun pointed at them, got the red dot on the gobblers the whole time, but they're about 80 yards away, which is entirely too far. And I'm just thinking like, so this, this is my chance and, you know, doing everything right. And here they go. And, uh, so they start kind of breaking up this ridge. I'm like, well, there goes my chance for today. Guess it's not going to happen. And then this one lone hen kind of comes down, comes back onto one of these points that are in front of me and kind of starts clucking and doing some light yelping like she'd forgotten, you know, one of her flock, which I'm assuming was me. So I kind of start talking back to her, you know, thinking maybe, you know, if, if I sound inviting, they'll come back down. And this hen would not leave me alone. She was probably down there for 10 minutes looking for me. So finally, I started making some real loud cutting at her, just trying to act like I was mad, like, hey, leave me alone, which she finally did. She took off and joined them back at the top of the ridge. I finally kind of got fed up with it. And I think it was about 8 o'clock after all of this happening, I could kind of see them just barely. I could see the tops of the fans at the top of the ridge. So I started army crawling up the hill through the woods through briars and stuff which by this time i ditched my turkey vest started army crawling up there make it up to a stump kind of stop and look could still see a fan couldn't see any hens make it up to another tree so now i'm within 40 yards of them kind of stand up behind a big oak tree and uh look up i can see the tops of the fans again i'm like all right all right you know this is good and the hens decide it's time to go. So they start breaking across out of the woods, across the top of this ridge. And at this point, they're about 60 yards. And I see the toms come out of strut and start to follow them. 
So I pick a point where I have a nice clear shot. And as soon as I saw one of the toms, I putted at them and they came to attention and I freaking nailed them. I knocked them down at 60 yards. And as soon as I shot, I took off running like a friggin' moron <laughs> through the woods. <laughs> it was a sight to behold. And as I was running, his buddy, because there was two toms, his buddy was coming back to start flogging on him. <laughs> and he was just about back to him by the time I got up there. And he realized I was there and just took off and got up there. And the turkey was down, man. What kind of uh, emotions came over you at that point, especially killing your first turkey? I mean, were you pretty shook or, I mean, kind of, you know, walk us through, you know, what was your feeling like after killing your first turkey? Oh, man, once I got to the top of the hill and saw that bird on the ground, I threw my gun up in the air, both hands, and just started hooping, hollering, screaming. I didn't care who was watching. <laughs> I was so freaking happy. And uh, quite honestly, I really wish my son was there. Well, now, maybe, I don't know, well, of course, see, being time right now, is he, I guess, is he home from school right now? Uh, Yeah, he's actually up in our shop working on his pickup. <laughs> okay. Well, I was, I was going to ask, I was going to say, uh, I'm sure he's probably a little jealous. <laughs> oh, yeah. As soon as I got home, I, I sent him a picture while he was at school. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Um, well, th that is that is really awesome. So from that experience and kind of like where you, how you were able to kind of use a little bit more like woodsmanship to kind of close the distance on them to be able to get a shot, you know, what kind of takeaway did you learn from this experience, especially to apply it forward and maybe grow as a turkey hunter even more so, especially since you just, I mean, you are so new at it, but you're kind of picking up on certain things. You know, what kind of takeaways did you learn from this experience that you can kind of apply forward and how are you going to grow as a turkey hunter, especially for the rest of the season and years to come? Man, the biggest thing I learned today Sit back and watch. Just sit back and watch and enjoy it. Because, I mean, <clears throat> if those hens hadn't been there, I highly doubt that those gobblers would have came. Because um, they seemed awful interested in something that was on the other side of the ridge from where they had roosted today. I mean, they'd spent a full week in those woods. I feel like they'd done wore it, wore it out. And uh, luckily I was doing the right kind of calls, just nice little soft, I mean, just soft yelps and clucks and a little bit of purrs and kind of scratching in the leaves and made it sound interesting for the hens. And I figured once the hens were there, you know, something good was bound to happen. Well, Devin, dude, I appreciate you coming on this podcast uh, on this uh, week's uh, episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Listener Success Story. I'm super excited for you. I'm, I'm really am. I, I absolutely am, and excited to kind of see how the rest of the season goes for you and your son. But also, kind of how you're able to you know take away what you learned from the show, apply it for years to the future. But also, listen, just a little selfishly, I'm kind of excited for you to start listening to some of our deer hunting episodes. Man, if you're new into deer hunting, holy cow, you're about to go down the rabbit hole, son, on uh, some of these deer episodes. <laughs> Good luck. I mean, listen. Your wife's going to be like, man, you're killing all kinds of deer now. We're going to have to work, work on the taxidermy, work on the, another bigger freezer. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be to the next level, dude. No deer will be safe from you, my friend. I guarantee it. Yeah, yeah. I. It's not quite time yet, but I definitely plan on listening to the deer episodes. I think I listened to one or two, and I was like, man, these guys know what they're talking about, and I can, I can, I, I can get along with it. 
I, see, I love our turkey hunting episodes, like podcast episodes, but I absolutely love these deer podcast episodes that we do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's awesome. Well, Devin, um, I'm trying to think of any other kind of final questions for you. I mean, again, just appreciate you coming on, dude. It's been awesome to kind of hear your journey, hear your story, especially kind of how you just got recently into hunting and kind of started applying it, having success, and kind of just piecing apart what's helping you to become a better hunter, a better outdoorsman, or a better woodsman, uh, which is extremely exciting and very exciting to kind of see how, you know, your journey progresses over the next few years kind of going forward. But uh, all I can say really is this best of luck to you and your son for the rest of y'all season. Uh, you have uh, one more tag. Is that right for – for uh, Missouri? Yes. Uh, you can get one the first week, and after that, um, you can get another one. So, uh, yeah, hopefully me and him can uh, double down next weekend. Well, excellent. Well, Devin, thank you again for coming on for this week's episode of the Southern Outdoorsman uh, Listener Success Story. Uh, thanks for everybody listening to this episode. Uh, again, hopefully you have success. Uh, again, this drops on a Friday afternoon. Hopefully you all have success this weekend. And again, if you're like Devin, use tips and tactics from the podcast that you learned from the show. Uh, shoot us a, either email like Devin did, uh, which you can find on our contact page on the website, or you can shoot us a message on Facebook or Instagram as well. Let us know how the podcast has helped you, and maybe we choose you for a future guest uh, the Southern Outdoorsman listener success story. But make sure y'all tune in Monday. Got another great episode coming out. And best of luck to everybody this weekend. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman. And thank you to Blackberry Smoke for the music for the podcast. Also, to follow along with us, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Until next time, y'all stay Southern. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no-brainer. You gotta be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.